You only have so much time. And you have a big assignment. I want the entire world to hear the gospel in my generation. I want every person on this planet to be saved. We open God's Word today together to be subject to it, to be taught by it, to be instructed. Let's go. What you're saying right now is, how did we get here? Well, because people do not believe in the sufficiency of Scripture, and ultimately that's where it is. Yep. Being Reformed is more than just affirming the five solas. It's more than just affirming Tulip. No one is outside the reach of Christ and His blood. If we are truly Reformed, there should be a sanctification, a desire to be sanctified by Christ, by holding onto as tight as we can the one who makes us white as snow. You can no more born yourself again than you born yourself the first time. Just so that you guys don't think we're just pulling stuff out of our cans here. What's going on? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Matter of Theology, the place where theology matters because everything is a matter of theology. My name is Chris. I am one of your hosts. I am joined by my co-host, my brother, my good friend, Mr. Drew Vonita. Yeah. Matter of Theology is a podcast production where we seek to address church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint. Our desire is to bring biblical truths regardless of what the popular movements or empires of the day may teach. So on behalf of my brother, my co-host, my friend, thank you again for tuning in. Drewski, how you doing, man? I'm well. I'm well. Yeah. I can't complain. That's well. Just that's, just sitting here. I'm just sitting here. A guy with his dog. That's about all. A, a guy with his dog. A guy with his dog. Plugged into a computer talking about theology. Talking about theology. That's nice. right. Nice, bro. Nice. Yeah. Got anything new and exciting going on in your world? <laughs> nope. I mean, I'm pretty much uh, I wake up, I go to work, I deliver yeah. packages, I come That's home, true. I play with my son. While my wife holds our newborn. So, you know, it's about life right now. Living the life, man. Living the life. Living the life, bro. Living the dream. Living the dream. Hashtag first world problems. Hashtag that's very true, bro. That's very, very true. So well, the uh the title of today's episode. Well, actually, hold on. Oh, before you get in there. What you got, man? I've got a I I really need to warm up before this episode. Okay, okay, that's good, man. Let's stretch. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. Holy Spirit, activate. Oh, no. Holy oh, Spirit, no. Oh, activate. No. Holy Spirit, activate. 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 Ooh. All right, let's go. Let's go. Wow. Uh, there's the title of the episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I was like, you know what? We're doing that. I'm going to have to throw that in there. Man. Um, so, so, yeah, the title to the, today's episode is Holy Spirit, Activate. Now, here, here's what's cool about that is our brother and friend, um, Justin Peters. Um, if you guys don't know Justin Peters, you you better know Justin Peters because we've interviewed him on this podcast and, and you just need to know his ministry and know him anyway. Um, he literally yesterday released an, an episode of what's called, check this out, I love this, Why Are Charismatics So Weird? Holy Spirit Activate. 
So he sent me a text and he was like, he was like, Hey brother, when are you guys doing this? Cause he saw our graphic and we'll explain where the graphic came from in a minute. But he reached out to me. He's like, Hey man, when are you guys doing this? And I told him when we were going to record it. Cause he's like, man, I don't want you to think I'm stealing your stuff. Cause I saw this, I'm using the wonder twins as well in this episode. So he did a 15 minute video of Sid Roth and this guy named James Gall and his daughter. And it is weird but they talk about Holy Spirit activate. And of course they are all about it, um, bro. But uh, so, so I didn't know if we were going to have the ability to play the audio of that clip. So uh, thank you, brother. And thank you, technology. Yeah, no problem. No problem. I've been <laughs> like, that's why I got this thing was to be able to do that. Just for that one thing. Now I can return it. Take it back. There you go. Well, there you go, man. There you go. So the, the you know title, why you really, really you know why why what? why? Because I'm just one of those guys. I'm just one of you know. That's kind of like this dude wears Star Wars pajamas and lives in his mom's basement. That, that's pretty much sums me up, right? That sums me up. That's about it. Oh no, that sums you up, huh? Well, <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> Can't even get back to my notes after that. Um. <laughs> I've got three sound effects. I'm gonna, I've, and I've already exhausted two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you just go ahead and give us the third? That way we know what to look out for. No, that's got to be. We've got to save that one. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Just in case there's one of those moments. Uh, I, I think there will be. I, I think there will be. Um, I, I hope so. I really do hope so. Because we're talking about the Holy Spirit and scripture. So it's really just going to, it's going to be one of those moments all over the place. Right, 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 right. So um, (laughs) if you guys didn't know, uh, the title of this episode came from what you just heard. It's a, it's a video that went viral a few months ago. Um, It was from Celebrity Family Feud with Steve Harvey. And there was a lady by the name of China uh, from the group Wilson Phillips. And what she did is she called on the Holy Spirit before trying to win what's called fast money on the show. Um, Instantly, the clip went viral with millions of views on YouTube. And of course, as you can imagine, varying memes, GIFs, sound bites, as you just heard, uh, et cetera, being circulated uh, with this very catchy Holy Spirit activate tune being played over the varying airwaves across the world. And in fact, I'm sure there are many of you out there right now who were maybe even bobbing your head as you heard the tune uh, live and here right now. Um, now, this, of course, garnered some some laughter uh, on the show and, uh, of course, uh, spread throughout the, uh, the whole of evangelical uh, social media um, and use of the song uh, all of a sudden just became something that people applied to varying tasks, regardless of the circumstances around those tasks. Um, And honestly, when I first heard it, it made me cringe for a whole host of reasons. You can call me a prude all you want, uh, but this whole exchange is not one um, that that, that was just humorous and, and, and could be laughed off without consequence. Uh, I mean, it is funny. You listen to it and you're just like, goodness gracious, on, on multiple levels, you're like, what, a, what an idiot, um, honestly. And it is just, it, it's, it's cringeworthy. Um, now, on Matter of Theology, we, we have on a few different occasions addressed the blasphemy 
that comes from the charismatic movement, the new apostolic reformation, the word of faith movement, um, everything from worship and song to speaking in tongues and other charismatic gifts. That said, uh, Drew and I, uh, specifically it came from Drew, uh, had been talking about addressing um, uh, the topic, something from the charismatic movement once a month uh, this season and this year. Um, and, and, and in fact, I've already talked to Justin and Justin's like, you just let me know, man, and I'd love to be on. So, um, so we're going to have Justin on at some point to, to talk about something to do with the charismatic movement. Um, but there are some other guests and stuff that we, uh, will be reaching out to also. Um, but I thought we were going to wait a while, man, before we, before we kick this off. Um, but, um, but I'll tell you what, what really for me anyway, what um what 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 kind of kicked it into high gear and wanting to go ahead and talk about uh talk about this subject and i'm glad we're starting here brother because um the 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 whole of the professing evangelical church today um has no idea who god the holy spirit is and so so recently you and i were listening to a sermon from a pastor of a church here locally where he was describing why God gave us the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's purpose was. And this is what the pastor said, quote, why did God give us the Holy Spirit? I started to do it. I started to do the voice. I really did, Drew. <laughs> I could hear it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then I, I, and, then I, and then I retracted. He said, why did God give us the Holy Spirit? So we could be effective in what God's called us to do, period, close quote. This is from a professing reformed church ladies and gentlemen. And now to be fair, just before the comment, uh, that, that comment, that question followed by that statement, the, the pastor stated that the Holy Spirit didn't come so that you could quote, flop around on the floor, like a flip, like a fish period, close quote. And he's absolutely correct in that statement. That sort of behavior is nothing short of demonic and should be rebuked sharply. However, the problem is, is he stopped there and while th this is one of the many things the Holy Spirit does in our lives, um, this is not who he is, and this is not who his, what, what his primary purpose and ministry is in the life of the professing believer. Um, there was also a podcast where one of the hosts uh, is a big supporter and defender of the New Apostolic Reformation, the Word of Faith movement. And the defense given for this blasphemous movement was equally as frustrating and as heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. So, so, and then, you know, again, I just, I kept reading some things and, and, and it was just apparent that, that this is, this was the time for us to address this. The Puritan Thomas Goodwood and his, his treatise uh, entitled the work of the Holy ghost in our salvation said this in regards to the spirit of God. He said, quote, there is a general omission in the saints of God and they're not giving the Holy Ghost that glory that is due his person. The work he doth for us in its kinds is as great as those of the Father or the Son, period, close quote. And as an aside here, I want to point out that it's been well-documented and proven that the Puritans, specifically the English Puritans, John Owen, Richard Sibbs, and others, they have been the ones who have given to the church some of the most robust teachings gleaned from the scriptures on the person and work of the third member of our triune Godhead. Many of us have heard the famous quote from the late Dr. R.C. Sproul, who said, quote, 
That's the problem with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Period, close quote. That's especially true when it comes to God, the Holy Spirit. So today, we want to begin to examine who some have called the most misunderstood and blasphemed member of the triune Godhead. We want to open up the scriptures and examine who he is. We want to, and we have to have a robust pneumatology. And if you don't know what pneumatology is, that's the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And the reason that we have to have a robust pneumatology is that we don't violate any of the first three commandments of the law of God. So we want to study and know God. Specifically in this episode, we're going to talk about God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, So brother, what are some of your opening thoughts, man? What do you got? Yeah, it's it's very sad Mm. to see how the Holy Spirit is represented today. Um, and I, I came out of the charismatic movement where the Holy spirit is elevated, you know, far above the father, far above, uh, Christ. Right. But while he's, he's elevated far above them, he's also misrepresented Mm -hmm. in what he's supposed to do. So, um, like when we get into scripture and what we, what what we see, what we see all throughout scripture is we see, um, that the Holy spirit's purpose is to elevate. Christ. That's right. That's right. Uh, it's to point you to Christ and the Holy Spirit working in us is to move us to sanctification. That's right. To be made like Christ. Now I want to read um, a quote here from a book I've been slowly working through. Um, it's in it's in the back, so it's in the, it's in an appendix. But the book is called "Because We Love Him," and it's by Clyde Cranford. So he has a, a section on the Holy Spirit in the back, and it says he starts off the book this way. He says, "The Holy Spirit is a person. Yeah. Indeed, he is the third person of the Trinity. Yep, and his very real presence within us is the most personal aspect of intimacy with God. So that's the good, Holy." Man. Yeah, the Holy Spirit in us is to unite us and join us to the Father. Okay, so I'm, you know, I remember years ago, uh, I was in a conversation with um, a guy who is actually a, he's a modalist, is what he is, and he actually said that, well, you know, all we have today is the Holy Spirit. That's all we have today. And I said, well, what do you mean? I was like, Christ is reigning. There's the father. And they're like, no, that's like, they're the Holy, they're in the Holy spirit. And he proceeded to go, you know, wow. into modalist, modalist theology, because he said, you know, why is it that, that you don't see the Holy spirit very much in, in the text of, of the new Testament. And, and he said, because he's here with us today, moving us. And I actually said, no, the Holy Spirit was the one writing the New Testament. Hello. And, and the Holy Spirit's purpose is to point us to Christ. That's why Christ is the center of the New Testament, because he's the one that's to be praised. Um, and so we get so much misrepresentation of the person and work of the Holy Spirit, especially in the charismatic movements. And it's almost as though really when when you really get into it, um, the Holy Spirit's more viewed as just a thing a power that you conjure up Bro. in order to perform miracles. Uh, so, and, and you know, I, it, I was thinking about this today. Years ago, there was this clip of uh, some guys in a, a really super 
weird, charismatic church talking about, you know, they were, they were throwing the Holy spirit back and forth. Right. They were like, like they were like, they were playing Playing catch. catch. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just thinking to myself, what blasphemy? Yeah. What mistreatment of the Holy spirit? Absolutely. Brother. Um, so the, the one thing that, that the church really needs to get back to is a proper teaching of the person and work of the Holy spirit, because Amen. in our life, the Holy spirit plays an active role in our life. Absolutely. Right. So, so Jesus is Lord. Jesus is sitting on his throne, ruling, reigning, um, while the father puts all his enemies under his feet. Right. But the Holy spirit is with us. It actually indwells us. That's right. That's right. And so when Paul in Philippians talks about it's God within you, that, that causes you to will and to move and to work, right? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit in us that causes us to do these things, right? That brings us to conviction. It's the Holy Spirit that moves us to repentance. It's the Holy Spirit that uh, brings us to faith. It's the Holy Spirit that that sustains our faith within us when, when times get tough and, and grief comes, you know, it, this is the work of the Holy spirit within oh, yeah. us. It, it's not so we can go Holy spirit, uh, activate. cause me to, yeah. Holy spirit activate, <laughs> cause me to speak in tongues right now. Right. You should have bought you a Honda. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. You know, like that's not how the Holy spirit works. Oh man. No, no, no. That's good, brother. That's good, and we're gonna we're gonna get into we're gonna get into that some uh, oh, a lot. You know, more I think later. my dog is filled with the Holy Spirit right now because he's just like back and forth, <laughs> like pet me, pet me, pet me. P- pacing, pacing like a bunch of unco- uncomfortable charismatic preachers because they don't he, know what to he, say. He's about to start flopping on the floor like he just heard a Robbie Dawkins sermon. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's good, brother. That's good, man. I appreciate that. I need I need to get Brian Head Welch in here to like Seriously. cast out some demons or something. Come on, man. Come on. And well, you know what um, I don't like? Oh, you know what I don't like? Here, hold on. Just before we get into this, because one <laughs> oh man, oh one of the worst movies, documentaries ever is called Holy Spirit. Okay. It's got Todd White in it. It's got Brian Welch in it, you know, the guys from Corn. Um, it so much weird stuff in it. But ha- when you listen to them speak mm-hmm. about the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, oh, you know, you know, me and Holy Spirit, we just, you know, you know, just so casual, so flippant. Yep. Yep. And just my my thought is like, are you are you so loose with talking about the Holy Spirit? because like you're so well acquainted with him or is it because you you think he's he, he's just a little bit you know above you and, and he's just you know kind of your pal to hang around with right. you know right. right right absolutely man absolutely well that, that that's that's the good that's a, that's actually a great segue to where we're going next and um, you know, in our last episode of uh, Matter of Theology, I did reference um, again the the Ligonier uh, state of theology. Um, and again, if you didn't hear that episode, let me just give you a refresher as far as what this is. This is a survey conducted by Ligonier Ministries every two years in an attempt to get an idea of the theological temperature in the United States and the UK. Um, and those surveyed are those who would profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, now. 
Here are the three statements on the survey, uh, in the survey on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now I'm just going to go over the statements first. And then throughout the episode, um, we hope to be able to provide some clarity on the true answers concerning these statements. Okay. All right. So statement eight, statement eight in the 2020 Ligonier State of Theology says this, the Holy Spirit is a force, but not a personal being. The Holy Spirit is a source, is a force, uh, but not a personal being. Okay. Of those surveyed, 32% strongly agreed, 27% somewhat agreed, 17% were not sure, and 8% somewhat disagreed. So in sum, 84%, 84% of professing evangelical Christians confessed to not knowing who the Holy Spirit is according to the word of God. Only 16% of those surveyed answered this question correctly. I'm not saying this from a place of being high and mighty, quote unquote, or having all the answers when it comes to all matters of theology, not at all. This grieves my heart that 84% of those asked were outside of what scripture teaches as far as who God is in the person of the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's just one. Okay. We've got two more statement nine. So the very next statements, it, it says this, the Holy Spirit gives spiritual, gives a spiritual new birth or new life before a person has faith in Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. The Holy Spirit gives a spiritual new birth or new life before a person has faith in Jesus Christ. Okay. Of those surveyed, 16% strongly disagreed, 9% somewhat disagreed. And, and this is the one that gets me with this one. 24% were not sure. And then 24% somewhat agreed. So in some 73% of those professing evangelical Christians surveyed were outside of what the scriptures clearly teach in regard to the order of salvation, the ordo salutis, and the Holy Spirit's role in that. I mean, it's mind-numbing. Um, and then one more, statement 10. So statements 8, 9, and 10 were all the statements about the Holy Spirit. I see you. <laughs> Statement 10 is the Holy Spirit can tell me to do something which is forbidden in the Bible. Okay. The Holy Spirit can tell me to do something which is forbidden in the Bible. Yeah. Drew's got his hand over his face. Of those surveyed, 10% strongly agreed, 10% somewhat agreed. And again, this is the one that gets me here is the one in the middle. 20% were not sure. And 13% somewhat disagreed. So you've got 53% of professing evangelical Christians surveyed. They confessed on some level to believing that God, the Holy Spirit can tell them to do something contrary to what is written in the word of God. What you got, bro? <laughs> this all stems from one place. Mm-hmm. And that is either bad teaching from the pulpit 
or no teaching from the pulpit. Yes, sir. That's the place that it stems from. Because if you are teaching the Bible, if you're going through teaching what God's word says, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, word by word, you have to deal with all of these things. You can't run away from them. You can't preach your pet verses. You can't, you can't, you know, talk about your topic of whatever makes people feel good. Even okay. if you're preaching topically though, you can still preach topically and cover this. You still should be able to cover this. Right, right. But but you're going to hit it more specifically and more intentionally if you're going expositionally chapter by chapter. But because people don't do that, they are failing their congregation because as this survey indicates, they're not equipping them, right? What does, what, what does Paul tell Timothy, right? He tells them to preach the word, but why? Because it equips, it's adequate, it adequately equips the people. So do you want people who are inadequately equipped? Then do whatever the American church is doing today, right? <laughs> like the, there you go. You, that, that, that's the only way you come out to this, uh, the results of this, of this survey. Well, and, and I think I, I went over this last time. Um, you know, I, I think ultimately check this out. I mean, it, it, it comes down to this, you know, statement 15 of that, that same study says, uh, quote, the Bible is 100% accurate in all it teaches. And you've got 25% strongly disagree, 18% somewhat disagree, 9% we're not sure, and 19% somewhat uh, agreed. So 29%, only 29% of the people surveyed answered that question correctly. Mm -hmm. So you're absolutely right. It, it comes down to little to no teaching in the pulpit uh, on who the Holy Spirit is. And then compromise as well. Compromise oh, oh, with the man. culture. Oh, that's on, what it is. That, that, that's another thing. So churches want people to come there to fill the seats so that pastors can get money and get paid and all that That's stuff. Right. Um, and so what do they do? They compromise. And so, so someone will say, but the Bible says this, and then we'll, what, what will they do? They'll go, yeah, it does, but, but it really mean that what it means is this or don't put God in a box. Yeah. Or, well, we, we, we just can't put God in a box, He's right? Bigger He's bigger than his book. Yeah. We just, we, we can't restrict God. He can do whatever he wants. Right. Like, and this is the, the thing that always gets me too, is people, people are like, who don't know the Bible and don't understand God revealed through the Bible. They'll say things like, you know, if God just wanted to, he could snap his fingers and everyone would go to heaven. And I would go, um, absolutely not. He can't. Nope. Do you know why? Because that would mean that God's a liar because yep. God has already made promises and he's begun to move and act upon those promises. So for him to do that would make him a liar. So you're wrong. You don't know God. Read the Bible. Learn something. Learn a book. Like, come on. Like, seriously, learn a book. Dude, that's another soundbite. I got. I was just about to say that. That's got to be another soundbite. <laughs> learn a uh, book. Bro, that's so good, man. That's so good. Well, so, I, brother, I have a question as we dig into this, okay? Okay. I have a question. Okay? I have an answer. All right, good. Is the Holy Spirit something or someone or some force you can call on and, quote, unquote, activate as this young woman, China, attempted to do on Family Feud? No. That's right. The short answer, no. Absolutely not. 
Here Next it question. Is. Ready? <laughs> Ready? The Holy Spirit is God. Duh! <laughs> there it is. <laughs> A little delayed, but that was good. <laughs> well, it's building suspense is what it is. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is God. He is the wondrous, majestic, thrice holy God, the King of Kings. He is creator God, who is omniscient, who is omnipotent, who is omnipresent. He is truth. He is love. He is justice. He is wrath. And he is all of the other attributes of God. He is eternal. He is immense. He is all powerful. The Holy Spirit is not some sort of created power or force as the Socinians would believe. That's not who he is. Article one of the Belgic Confession of Faith entitled, There is One Only God, puts it this way, quote, we all believe with the heart and confess with the mouth that there is one only simple and spiritual being, which we call God, and that he is eternal, incomprehensible, invisible, immutable, infinite, almighty, perfectly wise, just, good, and the overflowing fountain of all good, period, close quote. The Belgic Confession of Faith in Article 11 says that entitled, The Holy Ghost is True and Eternal God, says this, quote, we believe and confess also that the Holy Ghost from eternity proceeds from the Father and Son and therefore is neither made, created, nor begotten, but only proceedeth from both, who in order is the third person of the Holy Trinity, of one and the same essence, majesty, and glory with the Father and the Son, and therefore is the true an eternal God as the Holy Scriptures teach us, period, close quote. Yet, in today's professing evangelical church, there are far too many who either, one, don't know him at all, and or two, commit blasphemous treason against the whole of our thrice holy triune Godhead by attributing works to him that are lies from the pit of hell. What you mm. got, man? <clears throat> you know, going back to just the the question, right? Is he a force? Yeah. Um, that you can just conjure up, you know? Right. When when he's treated that way, we diminish his uh deity. Yes. We we diminish his role because yes. then who is in control? We are. We are. It says we are in control of, of the Holy Spirit when we look at it that way. But that no, the the Holy Spirit is God who actually activates us. When Bro, you come think about on, it, man. Right? Because because <laughs> look, you were you were talking about the Ordo Salutis earlier, right? Right. As it pertains to the uh the state of theology survey. Um, So the Holy spirit brings us alive, right? We're dead in our trespasses and sin. That's right. Um, No one does good. No, not one. Right. We we can go through the teaching of total depravity apart from Christ. We are all lost and condemned to hell. That's right. But Ephesians two, one through 10. That's right. 
but God regenerates us by his Holy Spirit. That's right. That's what is moving us to God. That's what awakens us, brings those, those glorious truths of God um, to, to our mind and causes us to actually behold them and go, wow, I am found wanting. I am a sinner and I need a savior. That, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That, so the Holy Spirit actually activates us and brings us to salvation. And then, you know, the Holy Spirit actually keeps us. It keeps us. We're sealed, sealed with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's not something that it's not, he is not a person that we control. He's not our genie. No. We don't call upon him when we want something, when we want to do something. Yep. We actually, what, what we should be doing is we should actually be submitting to him in us because he is God, right? So when, so, so think about this. We've talked about sin a lot. We, we, we've done a whole series of mortification of sin. Um, I, I love uh, it that we've done that, by the way. Yeah. Um, and so when we feel the conviction of sin, that is the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the other part of the Holy Spirit is to actually apply the work of the gospel to our life. The work right. of Christ, he applies it to our life um, so that we become more sensitive mm-hmm. um, to sin, so that we understand what, what pleases God and what does not. And then when we do those things that do not please God, we're convicted. That's right. So the Holy Spirit convicts us of that and, and is moving us. That, that, that's his... That's what he's doing. So that quote you you read by that pastor at the beginning, what he said was true, but it was incomplete. Correct. It was it it, it was true, but it was only a half truth, right? Because right, it wasn't right. the full work of what the Holy Spirit does. Right. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, God in us, when he's moving us and convicting us of sin, we should submit to that because he is God moving in moving in us and we Come should on. actually we should actually go, oh, this is sin. I need to turn and go the other way. Because what do we do? What, what, what's our natural tendency to do is to go, oh, but this brings me pleasure. But I'll be happy for the moment in this. But uh, and we end up trespassing God. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to get into that. I want to get into that in a little bit. Um, you know, a couple of references to what Drew was talking about. Check out Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Check out Romans 8, 1 through 11. And, and that the, the, um, the title of that section is the spirit of God dwells in you. And it specifically talks about how the mindset on the uh, verse seven, Romans eight, seven, but, but because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God for it does not subject itself to the law of God, uh, for it is not even able to do so. Uh, and verse eight, and those who are, who are in the flesh are not able to please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness, verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. We don't activate the Holy Spirit, bro. That's great. The Holy Spirit is the one who activates us. That's so good, bro. Right. Now, because I like the passage you just brought up, okay? Yep. Now, in the charismatic movement, there's uh, you have a lot of uh, songs and such. Uh, you've got 
Will Reagan in United Pursuit. You've got Jesus Culture. Okay. Both of them sing a song called Fill Me Up. Right. Um, uh, John MacArthur, Strange Fire Conference. I believe they they did a clip. Yeah, the Q&A. They did a clip of this song where it's just on and on and on and on. Fill me up. Fill me up. Fill me up. Fill me up. Fire fall down. Right. Yeah. What they're saying is they're wanting more of the Holy Spirit. Fill me up more of the Holy Spirit. That's that's the view. So so even even in charismatic prayers and stuff, what what you'll say is, you know, fill me up with the Holy Spirit, right? Things things like that, or fill this person up with with your Holy Spirit again. Um, here's the problem: when you come to faith in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. That's right. He is either in you or he is not in you. If he right. is not in you, you're a non-believer. Right. There's no is, level. Right. There's right. no level. It's all or there, none. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not like a water bottle where it, it you know, you, you've kind of expensed the Holy Spirit and he's getting low and you need to refill again. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how it works. Okay. The Holy Spirit working in you is full all the time. That's right. You're, now the difference is you're either going to submit to it to him or you're not. That's, That's right. That's the difference. You're either going to submit to his authority in you convicting you moving you um or you're not. But if you're not, then what does that do? That grieves the Holy Spirit. Mhm. within you. Yeah, bro. That's good, man. That is so good. That is so good. Um well, remember what I said a few minutes ago. Um, the Holy Spirit is God, mm-hmm. wondrous, majestic, thrice holy, King of Kings, Creator God, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, truth, love, justice, wrath, and every one of the other attributes of God, eternal, immense, all powerful. So, when we, I mentioned the Puritans earlier. Now, when we take a look at the Puritans, and, um, you know, and, and trust me, I, I intend to, as we proceed with this episode of Matter of Theology, uh, to 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 dive into the word, um, and um, w- w- we want to do that. We want to dive into the word of God. It's the word of the living and holy God that provides us with all of the answers that we're looking for. And so, what I want to do is, I want to take a look at a few of these attributes of the third person of the Trinity according to the scriptures. Okay, and, and you guys know me. Um, there's going to be a lot of Bible right now. Like, get your Bibles out. If you're just listening, I'm going to repeat the references twice. You know, if you can take them down, great. Go back and listen to it again. Listen to this again, because, you know, what was that? Who was that that said that earlier? That um, you said you were talking to somebody and they said you don't see a lot of the spirit in the scriptures. Oh yeah, so <clears throat> that was a guy by the name of Tyler Coates. Um, okay, and so his- yeah, he's wrong. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, he is. So, yeah. And, and here, he's here, 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 here's also how you know his mom's a, a, a pastor, quote unquote. Oh, pastor. there you go. So, there you go. Yeah. She's given herself the name of pastor. Okay, cool. Um, so, first, the first um, attribute I, I want to I want to handle is the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. Okay, and if you don't know what omnipresent means, it means present everywhere at the same time. Okay, Psalm one thirty nine seven through ten. Psalm one thirty nine seven through ten says this. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, 
you are there. If I lift up the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there, your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. Okay. Jeremiah 23, 24, can a man hide himself in hiding places? So I do not see him declares Yahweh. Do I not fill the heavens and the earth declares Yahweh. That's Jeremiah 23, 24. John 14, 16 through 17, and I'm going to reference the book of John a lot. John 14, 16 through 17 says this, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate, a comforter, an intercessor, a helper uh, in the Greek is what that means, that he may be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. You know him because he abides with you and will be with you. Okay. That's just three. I could keep going. All right. The God, the Holy spirit. And by the way, and I think I said this, but if I didn't, I want to say it now. You cannot, just like you cannot divorce God's actions with his attributes, you cannot divorce one member of the Trinity from the other members of the Trinity. You, you can't, which is why the dichotomy of the spirit versus the word doesn't work, which is why, and I'm going to get into this later, which is why the Holy Spirit isn't going to elevate himself above Christ. We're going to get into that. All right. So there's omnipresent. Omniscient. The Holy Spirit is omniscient. That is the state of knowing everything. All right. Um, not because he needs to learn something, but because he declared it to be. All right. First Corinthians 2, 10 through 13. But to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the depths of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the depths of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the depths graciously given to us by God, of which the depths we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual depths with spiritual words." 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 13. That's what that one was. John 14, 26. Back to John, chapter 14. But the advocate, the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That verse also points out that the role of the Holy Spirit is to elevate Christ, is to point us back to Christ. So that's, that's the, that is the Holy Spirit is omniscient. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent. That's having unlimited power, able to do everything. Genesis 1, 1 and 2, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Job 33, 4, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. The Holy Spirit is truth. And this is an important one. This is a, this is so important, especially to those who are, who are caught up in the charismatic movement and the charismatic chaos. First John 5, 6b, this is, it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. Remember, I read John 14, 16, and 17 earlier, and I will ask the Father, and he, and he will, I'm going to read the whole thing again, and he will give another advocate that he may be with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth. 
whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. You know him because he abides with you and will be in you. John 15, 26, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. Again, he's the spirit of truth that points us back to Christ. John 16, 13 through 14. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in into all truth for he will not speak from himself, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. Now, we've already covered some of that. We're going to cover more of that later. Again, this just highlights he's the spirit of truth and he is ministering to us by what he has heard. Okay. More on that later when it comes to the function of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the believers. Okay. Just one more quick thing. Uh, Brother, then we'll turn it over to you. The Puritan John Owen, in his work, A Brief Declaration and Vindication of the Doctrine of the Trinity presented the following to exclusively prove the divine and distinct personality of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Check this out. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read these verses that are along with this, but write them down, go back and study them for yourself. But John Owen said this, the spirit shares the same rank and order as the father and son. And he referenced Matthew 28, 19 and first Corinthians 12, three through six. He has names proper to a divine person only. That's Acts 5, 3 and 4, Acts 5, 9. He hath personal properties, a will and understanding, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, 1 Corinthians 2, 10. He is the voluntary author of divine operations, including creation, speaking through prophets, and brings to life, sanctifies, comforts, and instructs. And that's 2 Peter 1, 21, Genesis 1, 2, which I read earlier. And the last one, this, he has the, the, the same regard is had to him in faith, worship, and obedience as unto the other persons of the Father and the Son. Matthew 12, Acts 5, Acts 13, um, and then Acts 13, I'm sorry, Acts 13, 2, and Acts 13, 4. So, I mean, scripture could not be clearer um, as far as who the Holy Spirit is. He is God. Mm-hmm. And and all the attributes there attributes there unto what you got, bro? Man, you just you covered a whole lot of ground uh, in there. Um, so yeah. it's hard to it's hard to pick one <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and 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 expound upon it just because there are an abundance of dogs barking. Um, they're all my moms, by the way. <laughs> they're all dachshunds. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, when you reference those, those Old Testament texts, yeah. okay, this is important because the Holy Spirit wasn't just operational and sent after Christ ascended. Mm. Uh, he wasn't just sent and operational uh, only in Christ when he descended in the form of a dove at Christ's baptism. That's right. But he was active, operational in the Old Testament because mm-hmm. that was, you know, and just, just focusing on the prophets, okay? That was how the prophets prophesied. 
was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave the word to the prophets. The prophets spoke. So the Holy Spirit isn't just a new thing that we have. He is a person that since, as you said, mentioned in Genesis, since the beginning of the foundation of the world has been moving, acting, functioning, governing. Um, What else can we, what what other adjective or verb can we throw in there? Uh, But he, he has been doing all these things since the beginning of time. Yes. I mean, it's, yeah. And like you said, scripture scripture's clear. So so the only the only way you come up with a false view of the Holy Spirit is if you're not reading your scriptures. That's it. Well, and brother, you bring up a good point. What were those prophets prophesying about? Yeah, they were prophesying about the coming Messiah. There you go. <laughs> so there again, the Holy Spirit working through the means of men in order to elevate Christ. Point people That's right. to that's right. So when Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, guess who else that applies to? The Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Holy the Father Spirit. and the Holy Spirit. That's right. Yeah, yeah. They see that. Yeah, yeah. They're they're they're, they're inseparable, right? It, 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 you can't do anything apart from the triune no. God, right? Salvation is a triune work of God. Correct. Um, our our staying in salvation is a triune work of God. That's right. Um, you, you mentioned worship. When we worship, we worship a triune God. When, when we pray, think about how we pray. And most people, <laughs> most people, when they pray, are modalists because they have no clue how to pray. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. So, so let me just, just in case you don't know, let me break this down for you because we haven't talked about prayer yet on this uh, on this podcast. But We're when you to. pray. When you pray, you are praying to the Father. Now, let me let me tell you why. Because before, before Christ came, the only person who had access to the Father was the high priest who went and, right. and made sacrifice on behalf of the people. Okay. He was the only one who had access to the Father when he went behind the veil. Okay. That's it. That's it. Once once Christ came and made atonement for sin, that veil was torn. So now we can go directly to the Father because of Christ, who was our sacrifice, and He now is our mediator. He's He He is making intercession for us. He so we pray to the Father through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the Holy Spirit, when we pray, is our, 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 our source power, our power of source, because he's the one that moves us to even pray. That's it. That's it. Well, yeah, amen, brother. Amen. Right on. And that's, um, that, that is very true. And we're going we're gonna to highlight a little bit more of that here in just a little bit. But so, it, brother, in light of everything we just talked about from, a, from the biblical basis, from a biblical basis concerning the person of the Holy Spirit, what I want to look at now is I want to open up our Bibles to Exodus 20, Exodus chapter 20, verses one through seven. And I want to briefly look at the first few of the 10 commandments. Uh, God's word says this, then God spoke all these things saying, I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol 
or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them for I, Yahweh your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of Yahweh your God in vain, for Yahweh will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Again, that's Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 7. Now, these commandments are written concerning how we should live in regards to our view of and our worship of Yahweh, the one true God. It was A.W. Tozer in his magnificent work, The Pursuit of God, who says this, quote, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like, period, close quote. We cannot miss this. We cannot miss this when it comes to how we think about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We cannot miss this when we approach him in all matters of life. <laughs> there are many false teachers of the prosperity gospel, the word of faith, the new apostolic reformation, the NAR, who prey on the ignorance of so many professing evangelical believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. They invoke the name of our thrice holy God and works that can only be described as works from the devil himself. And so in doing so, they're taking the Lord's name in vain and storing up for themselves a wrath from our holy God. So brother, what I wanted to do is just take a brief look at these commandments and why they're so important concerning the law and how we, how we view, live, and ultimately worship God. Now, obviously, we're not going to be able to exhaust these today. Um, so there's a resource that I want to put before you in really helping you unpack all 10 of these commandments. Um, I've said it numerous times that my favorite Puritan is Thomas Watson. He has a book published by the Banner of Truth entitled, entitled uh, The Ten Commandments. Um, so if, if you don't have a copy of this, I would implore you to pick one up as soon as possible. You, you can also, um, if, if you're not the reading type, yeah. you can also go to Sermon Audio and you can actually get basically the whole thing. And oh, nice. Okay, cool. Read to you. So Cool, cool, cool. All right. Um, so, so brother, the first thing I wanted to do, and, and again, I just, I just want to hit on this very, very briefly from a high-level overview. Um, you know, we see this proclamation um, in, in verse two, uh, it says, I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And just in case there was a question about who was given the commands, this is the Lord, this is Yahweh, this is your God. And just in case that's still not clear, he clarifies farther, I'm the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt. 
This is what he has done for them. God wants it, wants to make it clear who is speaking. And he says the same thing to us. I am the one, if we profess faith in Christ, if we possess faith in Christ, I'm the one who saved you. I'm the one who brought you out of death into life. I'm the one who replaced your heart of stone with a heart of flesh. This is who I am. Yeah. How quickly we forget. Right. Right. And so then he says, you shall have no other gods before me. And something to note here is this commandments, it's, it's in the second person singular. Okay. And here's why the commandments, this commandment concerns everyone, not just the elect, everyone made in the image of God. It's a personal command given from the living God to every person he creates. You shall have no other gods before me. There's one God. Okay, there is one God, and because of that truth, we should also only have in in, in our minds and our hearts and everything that we do one God. And Thomas Watson said that, that that this truth is the foundation of all true religion. That that we, especially the elect, should sanctify, set apart, declare, consecrate Yahweh in our hearts as the one true God. Man, you got anything? No, keep going, keep going. All right, cool, cool, cool. So, and for context of what we're discussing on this episode of Matter of Theology, this goes to all three persons of the Trinity, all three persons of the triune Godhead. So then he says in verse four, uh, then scripture says in verse four, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship or serve them because for I, Yahweh, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Okay. So here we have the second commandment. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is one that we've dealt with numerous times on matter of theology when it comes to how we worship. While the first commandment deals with one's worshiping of false gods, the second commandment deals with worshiping the one true God in the wrong way. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Which goes, and that's all. If you go um, over to the golden calf, right? Um, it's almost a word for word, a, a word for word picture of, of that, right? Because what did they call the golden calf? They called him Yahweh. Mm -hmm. they, they were worshiping who they thought God was like, they knew the God who right. brought them out of Egypt. And so they wanted to worship him. So they crafted a, a, a golden calf because they believed God to be a golden calf. That's you it, know? bro. And, and, you know, and we do, we do the same thing. And, you know, a lot of times we hear it like, well, God knows my heart. Right. You know, God understands. No, God does not understand. God understands worship his way because he's the oh, one that said, this is how you are to worship me. And, and it's so funny. We were talking about this the other day. It's so funny. You have the charismatic movement that they just, they do all these things in worship that are not commanded by God. But they say, well, you know, we just have the right heart, you know, as God understands and we just do, mm. you know, the ones who should be the most regulative principle people in worship are the charismatics because yep. they're continuationists. They yep. believe that God still does the same things that he did back then. So if God is the same yesterday, today and forever, then guess what? Nadab and Abihu, he still kills people for false worship. 
So you better make sure that your worship is true worship to God the way that God says to do it and not offering strange fire. I don't know why would anyone claim to be a continuationist and yet and, and, and believe that God still does the things because really they're not truly continuationist. Their continuation is only in the gifts, not in who God is. Right. Right. But if you call yourself a continuationist or a charismatic and you believe God still is the same person and does the same things, then you better make sure that you're worshiping him as he declares he should be worshiped, lest you die. Hello, Ananias and Sapphira. Right, right. right? Don't well, lie to the Holy Spirit bro. because then God should still kill you. Check this out, man. It's like it, it's like it's like you came through the screen and you're looking at my notes, which I know you ain't because I didn't send them to you. <laughs> I know Check. this is hold on for the listeners. Let me tell you how these conversations go. Hey, man, I'm gonna get my outline going, and when I get my outline put together, I'll send it to you so you can add to it. And guess what? I never get the outline. True, you've gotten it a couple times, um, well, bro. Like with this one, I just started writing and I just kept going, and then I'm like, oh crap! Before I know it, here we are, recording day. Um, okay, so check this out, right? So when we I have in my notes, bro, do we not see this inside the modern charismatic movement in the whole of modern evangelical culture today? Mm-hmm. And then, and then listen to this quote, man. I heard this and I was just like, wow, Dr. John MacArthur, um, just in case you don't know who he is, I'm going to tell you, pastor, teacher at Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California said this in his sermon entitled Strange Fire, given at the Strange Fire Conference in 2013, listen to this quote, quote, the most serious crimes ever committed against God are committed in corrupt worship. I'm going to repeat that and then keep going with the rest of it. The most serious crimes ever committed against God are committed in corporate worship. That takes us to the point where we need to say the charismatic movement continually dishonors God in its false forms of worship. It dishonors the father. It dishonors the son, but specifically it dishonors the Holy spirit, irreverent ideas, irreverent actions, untrue beliefs, false claims, false promises, fleshly behaviors. All these things are attributed to the Holy spirit, but they dishonor him that they would even be identified with his name. It's more strange fire. And the sad thing is it's ground for judgment. It's ground for judgment, period, close quote. Right. Yeah. So, so a lot of what we see in what John MacArthur just said, right, about worship comes from a misapplica- a misreading and misapplication of John 4, verses 23 and, tw- and 24, which says where, where Jesus is talking to the Sumerian woman, and he says, but an hour is coming and is and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Verse 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So people take that verse and they say, well, as long as I'm worshiping with my spirit in, you know, I'm, I'm in spirit and therefore, however I do it, you know, that then that counts as worship to God. No, that's not what Jesus is meaning. Okay. So the context in context, 
they're talking about places of worship. So the woman says to Jesus, she says, you Jews, you worship over on that hill. We Samaritans, we worship on this hill. You know, which one is the right one? And Jesus says, a time is coming when you're not going to worship on either hill. Right. Okay. Because the place of worship is in the spirit, meaning the spirit now lives in you. You you don't have to go to a temple in order to worship anymore. The sacrifice mm. ha- has been paid. So wherever you are, you can worship. That's right. your place of worship. So the spirit right. here is, is talking about the place of worship and then in truth, meaning in the truth of who God is. So everything has to be taken back to who God is, which connects back to what you're talking about in Exodus and, and how we worship God. Correct. Correct. Well, brother, in Matthew 12, right? We see the Lord Jesus Christ healing a demon-possessed man. Uh, who, who the Bible says was 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 blind and, and, and mute. So Jesus healed this guy so that he was able to both speak and see. And when the Pharisees saw this, they attributed his works to Satan. Yeah. And in today's modern charismatic movement, it's been reversed. The script has been flipped. The modern charismatic movement attributes the works of Satan to the Holy Spirit. Right. That's what happens today. So and Back both are a blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And <laughs> no matter right. which way you reverse it, there you it's go. blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So, there which, by the way, what is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Because that is that that's so mischaracterized today. Oh my gosh! You know, people think well, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is just denying the Holy Spirit, saying, no. "Well, I don't believe the Holy Spirit exists." No, no, because every believer, apart from Christ does not believe in the Holy Spirit. So you can't say that. Otherwise, every single person would be lost. Right. What In the context of what you just said, right? Attributing the works of the Holy Spirit to Satan. Yep. That is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Because right after that, what does Jesus say? He says, you can blaspheme me and it will be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. So what is the blasphemy? Attributing his works to Satan. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Continuing on with Dr. MacArthur, right along with what you just said, quote, it is dangerous to declare things that the Holy Spirit has not done, has not said, would not participate in as the works of the Holy Spirit. That is not a small matter. It is a, ra- it is a radically serious, in dis- it is radically serious in dishonoring the Holy Spirit that apparently escapes these people attributing to the Holy spirit deeds. He did not do words. He did not say experiences. He does not author is a very serious crime period. Close quote fashioning an idol in the name of Yahweh and attributing works to this false God or uh, attributing works to this works to this item with the name of Yahweh It's a serious crime. It's very serious. There are many, many inside the modern evangelical movement, the modern charismatic movement, who have and continue to do just that. And so so it's a serious issue. It's taking the Lord's name in vain. That's what it's doing. So continuing it on in Exodus, and we see this in the next verse in Exodus at verse five, you shall not worship them or serve them for I, Yahweh, am a jealous God. 
Thomas Watson said this in his commentary on the Ten Commandments, quote, let us give God no cause to be jealous. A good wife will be so discreet and chaste as to give her husband no just occasion of jealousy. Let us avoid all sin, especially this of idolatry or image worship. It is heinous. After we have entered into a marriage covenant with God to prostitute ourselves to an image is idolatry. Idolatry is spiritual adultery. And God is a jealous God. He will avenge it. Oh, remember, God is a jealous God. Better move your parents to hatred than move God to jealousy. Their anger cannot do you so much hurt as God, God's anger. Period. Close quote. That is, I, I, you know, I, I can't even begin to, to express how um, egregious this is when we see so many who say they have such a high view of the Holy Spirit lie and deceive and show that they're of their father, the devil, all while pointing their fingers back to saying, look, come and see what God has done. What a dangerous place to be in. Mm-hmm. Now I would uh, let me interject just real quick. Go for it, man. Because um, I think there's two types of people in that in that camp. There's there are those who intentionally do that. Correct. Intentionally lead people astray. Correct. But then there are also the ignorant who don't know they're being absolutely. There are the deceived and the deceiving. The, the deceived and the deceiving. However, those who are being deceived are not without their own. If, are, are not being deceived um, apart from it being their own fault because they still have their own Bible that they can read and that they can study. Um, yep. So, so if you're, if you are deceived following a false teacher, following a false teaching of the Holy spirit, who God is false worship, you, you are willfully ignorant because you're choosing not to study the word of God and who God is. Mm-hmm. As he reveals himself in his word. That's that's right, ma'am. That's right. That's right. Uh, Watson said this further. He said, uh, he said, let us not be among God haters. Little children, keep yourself from idols. That's first John 5 21. As you would keep your bodies from adultery, keep your souls from idolatry. Mm. Take heed of images. They are images of jealousy to provoke God to anger. They are damnable. You may perish by false worship as much by scandalous sins. You may perish by image worship as much by drunkenness or whoredom. A man may die by poison as much as a pistol. Brothers and sisters, and, and, and Drew is absolutely right. We, have, we are to be like the noble Bereans. We are to, we are to test and approve all things to, uh, according to the backdrop of God's inerrant, infallible, and sufficient word. And, and what's what's interesting? Go ahead, bro. Go ahead. Well, when you say that, because because people are going to go, I, I, just because I know, I know people are going to go. <laughs> right. you say, well, you, you know, when you mentioned being Bereans, they're gonna they're just going to go through the Bible and they're going to find a verse that backs up what they want to believe. Okay, don't do that. Actually, look at the context of that verse that you're pulling out, because chances are, if you're using it, if we're calling something that you like false. And you go find a verse that try to backs up what you're going to say. Chances are you're used, you're pulling that verse out of its context and misapplying it. Um, and you shouldn't want to do that, right? No. We, you should want to have a high view of God's word. 
And you should also want to be uh, corrected if you're an error, right? Like I have, right, right, I have right, right. absolutely zero problem being corrected. Okay. So, and, and here's an Same. example. Here's an example, right? Many of the listeners of this show probably know I had a, uh, a live discussion with Jim Osman, right? On, on Apologetics Live. And he yep. said some things where I was like, uh, that's a good argument. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> you know? Right. So it's right. Like, you know, it, it didn't persuade, you know, move me from my position, my theological position, but it did cause me to think and go, whoa, I could be wrong here. Let me let me go back and and actually study this and, and make sure that you know what I'm right. saying is right. You know, right, um, right, right, right. So so I'm not above correction, but I also Same. need to be honest with what I'm saying because the moment the moment I start I start trying to cherry pick verses out of context in order to just just uh, use them as 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 proof for what I want to do, what I want to believe, what I want to hold to. Now I've made that thing an idol and I worship that false teaching. Right. Right. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely, man. Well, and, and if you're going to do that, you know, one of the hallmarks of false teachings uh, or false teachers um, is, is uh, eisegesis and, and, and having a thought, having an ideology, having something in your head and then going to scripture to prove it instead of going to the scriptures and go, this is what the scriptures say. Um, you know, and then I think about that John Calvin quote, right? Ambiguity is the fortress of heretics. Um, to be ambiguous, to be vague. And, um, uh, you know, so don't, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Um, scripture in context, accurately handled, studying the original languages, unpacking that. And then absolutely brother, I'm the same way. I am not above correction. I'm not, um, I welcome it. Um, so, but he said, here's something else I was thinking about brother in, in regards to the Holy spirit. So, so we don't like it at all when the name of God, the father is trampled on. Right. We don't like it at all when the name of this God, the Son, is blasphemed. Then why is it that so many quote unquote let it slide when God the Holy Spirit is blasphemed and his name is trampled upon? And and remember, you can't divorce the three of them. So if you do this to one member of the Trinity, you've done it to every member. So what does scripture say concerning that? I'm glad you didn't ask. Uh, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. Uh Hebrews 10, 29. How much worse punishment do you think he will deserve who is trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded and defiled the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace? Okay, so the, the Greek there for insulted, it comes from the noun, a, 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 a different word, a noun form of the word, which we get um, in the English, it comes, it, we get the word hubris. Okay. So it's audacity. It's, it's, it's insolent. It's, it's a violent, I mean, pa passionate insult. So why is it that so many inside the, 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 the church, um, even inside of our own camp are just okay with that? Or just, you know, well, no, no, I mean, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal to play to play songs written by false teachers who blaspheme the name of the Holy Spirit. It's not that really big of a deal to... Um, yeah, who, who wrote the song? Oh, how does she view the Holy Spirit? Oh, yeah, right. like, a, like the genie from Aladdin, you know? Right, right, exactly, exactly. So... Um, so, brother, what, what I wanted to get into as we as we start to wrap up here is, um, and, and we've already covered it, man. We already covered it there at the top. But um, so, you know, in the in, in their book, defining deception, Costi Hinn and Anthony Wood, uh, they write this concerning the Holy Spirit. 
quote, the Holy Spirit is not an entertainer. He does not exist to put on a show. His aim is not to elevate men and women. He wants to point you to the person of Christ, not signs and wonders which pale in the light of his glory. He wants you to seek the giver, not the gifts, period, close quote. That's very important. And I read it earlier, John 14, 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Just two chapters over, John 16, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me. Verse 14 says, and he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. Verse 15, all things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. It was Dr. Stephen J. Lawson who rightly put it this way, quote, the Holy Spirit's desire is that we would be focused on Jesus Christ, not himself. That is the Spirit's chief ministry. He is pointing us to Jesus, bringing Christ more clearly into focus. When the Holy Spirit becomes an end in himself, then we have misunderstood his ministry. That is crucial to remember. Back to John Owen, the Puritan John Owen said this in his book of communion with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each person distinctly in love, grace, and consolation. That's a title. <laughs> he said this quote. Very Puritan of him. Very, very pietistic. Piet, how do you say that? Piestic? Pietistic. That, I think pietistic. that's a great. Word. Okay, cool. So he said this. He said, quote, the Spirit's ministry consists in his bringing the promises of Christ to remembrance, in his glorifying him in our hearts, in his shedding abroad the love of God in us, in his witnessing with us to our spiritual state and condition, in his sealing us to the day of redemption, being the earnest of our inheritance in his anointing us with consolation, in his confirming our adoption, in his being present with us in our supplication. Here is the wisdom of faith, to find out and to meet with the comforter in all these things, not to lose their sweetness, but lying in the dark as to their author, nor coming short of the returns which are required of us. We can't let the wondrous work of the Holy Spirit lie dormant in the dark. We must acknowledge it and commune with him in gratitude for it. The pattern of regular communion as a believer is with the three persons of the Godhead in mediation, prayer, and a duly ordered life. We should dwell on the special mercy and ministry of each person toward us and make our proper response of love and submission distinctly to each. Again, that is John Owen, the Puritan John Owen. So what does this mean for us, brothers and sisters? What does this mean for those professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ when it comes to our worship, 
And when I say our worship, I'm not just talking about what we do on the Lord's day, but I'm talking about to your point and, and what John Owen pointed out, um, what we do with every thought, every word, every deed. Romans 12, one puts it this way. Therefore, I exhort you brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies a sacrifice, living, holy, and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. And brother, I'll wrap up with this last quote from Thomas Goodwin. Again, another Puritan. He said this, quote, our worship is sometimes with the Father and then with the Son and then with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes his heart is drawn out to consider the Father's love in choosing and then the love of Christ in redeeming and then the love of the Holy Spirit in searching the deep things of God and revealing them to us and takes all the pains with us. And so a man goes from one witness to another distinctly, which I say is the communion that we must have. And here, and I love this, listen to this. We should never be satisfied till all three persons lie level in us. And we sit as it were in the midst of them while they are all met, while they all manifest their love to us. This is the highest that ever Christ promise, promised in this life, period, close quote. It's really hard to uh, follow that up. <clears throat> oh, right. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, what, what and we can keep talking us, man, like about the Holy yeah. Spirit. We're, we're never going to exhaust that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but what, what brings us to a place where, as we see today, American church, the modern charismatic movement, where he is just so um, mistreated, misrepresented, mistaught, what brings us to that point? It is a lack of the fear of God. Mm. Right? Bro, come on, man. Because we, because we know not the scriptures, we don't have a proper view of God and therefore do not have a proper fear of God. So when we enter into worship and in daily worship with our lives, we don't glorify him yeah. in anything that we do. So, so like you just, like we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices. Yep. That, that, that means as we're living, as we're going through, we're continually putting to death the flesh in order to glorify the spirit, glorify yeah. God in us. Yeah. And then in that glorification, we actually uh, bring honor to God. And then yeah, our yeah. lives, our our lives, then become an outward display of the gospel that has been applied to our lives by the Holy yeah. Spirit. Yeah. So then, so then, people can see us and go, mm, "What's up with that guy? It's a little little different." You know, he doesn't just claim to be a Christian, but then have loose lips, right? He doesn't claim to be a Christian and then go get uh, on the border of drunk. Right, he he doesn't just claim to be a Christian and then go ranting and raving all the time and mm. belittling people that that just don't have the same convictions as him uh, about doctrinal issues. 
right? No, they're going to go, that's a completely different person than I knew before. Right. So what brings us to that point, you know, I, I said at the beginning that it was, there's a lack of, of Bible teaching yeah. uh, from the pulpit, but that results in a lack of understanding of who God is, which then results in a lack of proper fear of God. And when we have a lack of the proper fear of God, we think we can do whatever we want and God's okay with it. That's just grace there, man. It's just grace. Yeah, There's just grace, you know, um, and we end up just presuming upon God. But then what happens? We reap a greater condemnation upon ourselves. Absolutely. When, when we do that, we, when we presume upon God, we reap a greater condemnation upon ourselves. And, and my question is, why do you want to live that way? Right. Why do you want to live in such a way that blasphemes the Holy Spirit that shows that you don't actually know who God is? And Paul Washer says it all the time. He says, we have so many churches filled with people who think themselves to be right with God and they're not. Yeah. 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 Well, brother, and that, that's, what's, that's what's scary about these, these charlatans in the, in, the, in the charismatic movement or, or those who, who would just say something like the Holy Spirit uh, is, is given to you that you may be effective in all you do for God and, and just leave it there because there are many who think that they're, Lord, Lord, did we not do this in your name, Matthew 7? And and he's going to say what? No, away from me! I never knew you, you, you workers of iniquity, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. Um, I mean, the, the, it's it's a dangerous thing to your point to presume upon the grace of God. It's a dangerous thing to uh, to to blaspheme, to misrepresent um, God. Period. God the Son, or God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. It doesn't. I just I'm 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 flabbergasted at so many who do and 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 I you know I I was actually texting with uh, with Justin Peters and and uh, after he released that video he he sent it to me he said hey man this video this video dropped and and this is what I said to him I said uh, I said I found myself being heartbroken at the fact that there are so many who are led astray by that nonsense and then I'm angered at the mockery they're making of our Lord. Um, I, I just, I just, man, you, you see that and you have to go the patience and the, if you don't understand, if you don't understand the patience and the long suffering of the Lord, just look at that. L- look at the, look at the stuff that you see coming out of the charismatic movement. And then look at the fact that the Lord um, hasn't just taken them out right where they stand. Um, so brother, and, 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 and that, that applies to everything you said as well, man, living holy, pleasing to God which is your spiritual service of worship. And that made me that when I, when I, when you were reading John four earlier, it made me think about that. Your mm-hmm. spiritual service of worship is everything you do in thought, word, and deed. It's worship, worshiping with everything you are based upon the truth of what we find in scripture, the truth revealed to us. Remember John 14 and 16, the truth revealed to us by the spirit uh, that, that had been given to him. Yeah. And, and, and all of that, when we neglect all of that, that leads us to actually, a true reckless love, right? Meaning, oh, come on, bro. That's when good. I say that, I mean that's good. We, we're loving something that we don't actually know. We're loving a person we don't actually know, we're, and we're loving. We're actually loving something that doesn't exist. That's good, man. So, Amen. 
So, so when we we when we neglect everything that we ha- we have just talked about, it leads us to a true reckless love in loving something that doesn't exist. And reckless love is stupid. Well, let me let me let me say this: It isn't that we're loving something that doesn't exist. It's we are fashioning a golden calf of something mm-hmm. we've come up with in our own imagination and giving it the name of Yahweh. Yeah, and he said that's not yeah. me. Right, and that is reckless love. Yeah. Strange yeah. fire is reckless love. Yeah. T-shirt idea. <laughs> <laughs> reckless love is strange fire. <laughs> Dude, I need to, I need, I, if anyone can draw a car- some kind of caricature of Nadab and Abihu offering strange fire <laughs> and then put the title reckless love above it, <laughs> we'll put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> That's it. That's, That's it. a great idea. <laughs> That is it. All right, man. Well, brother, um, I love you, man. I appreciate you. That was fun. <laughs> Likewise, bro. Likewise. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was fun, but then again, duh! so <laughs> didn't mean to yell that at you, but you know, <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Well, uh, thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Matter of Theology. We'll catch you on the next one. Good day. <laughs>